What's up, folks? On today's podcast, you're going to be hearing a little bit more in-depth in my story. I get interviewed a lot, and it's very rare that you get interviewed well, like on this recording that we're going to share with you guys. So you guys know, you know there's a lot of podcasts out there, but we try to keep things cool and authentic for you guys. Um, and part of that is not just sugarcoating the, the narrative that a lot of people will put out there. With that in, in thought, if you guys have any questions, we probably need to do another Ask Lane show where we open up the question bag. But if you guys have any more relevant to what's been kind of going on lately, go ahead and email it in at team at Simple Passive Cashflow and we'll get a, um, a show going here in a bit on that. If you haven't yet, go and sign up for the club, simplepassacashflow.com slash club. You get access to all the e-courses that we have for free, the infinite banking e-course, and then a lot of insider information as well as deal access there. And you can also take a look at all the other past deals we've been doing for the handful of years prior to this. I think think we started doing this maybe 2017 was our first syndication transaction. But yeah, I I feel like we're not the new guys anymore, right? I think you can tell who are the fake it to you make it. One way of doing that is just seeing how many assets they own. Today, we own $1.2 billion of assets under ownership. And I'll be the first one to tell you 2019, when we were around that half a billion dollar mark, we're still getting our feet under. Since then, we've expanded the team. I personally am not really in the day-to-day, nor is the principals and partners not in the day-to-day as we've hired that out to industry professionals. What does that mean? People who've been property managers for a long time and have this is what they do for a living. And we go on and headhunt the best people and bring them in-house to asset manage for us. Very different from, I think there's a lot of people out there that think it's a bigger pockets mindset, right? Somebody who just doesn't like their day job can be a real estate investor. You believe to some point, but when you start to run thousands of rental properties and accept other people's money in the terms of syndications, I think you need to really hire a professional to do something right. And I just don't want to discredit people in the real estate investing, real estate operating asset management industry. You know, it's yes, you don't need a college degree to do it, but I think experience in this industry is very valuable, which is why we've hired people out who are much better than, you know, myself. And I'll just, I'll call myself out on that. But if you guys want to get more involved with us, join the club, simplepassacashflow.com slash club. Be on the lookout as we're going to start to put out the, uh, the the info pages and the signups for the annual retreat here in Hawaii, January 13th to the 16th. Make sure you apply. And if you are on our investor club list, you can't just come. You got to just, you have to book that onboarding call with myself so we can get to know each other. And even if we're not a good fit, I always try to make it a point to point you guys in the right direction because that's, that's ultimately what I found that I enjoy doing for some strange. So we open up your balance sheet and we look in this basically a short period of time where you get to ask the questions and send you off on your merry way. For a lot of people, it can be life changing. And that's, I personally like to be that person to make that impact for you. So make sure you guys sign up for that after signing up for the club and enjoy the show. This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Lane, welcome to the show, my friend. Good to see you. And I look forward to the discussion today. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hello, everybody. Yeah, and 
Before we get into your new prison break story, which is an awesome one right now, you're doing some great things. We're going to definitely dive into just I, to expand on the intro that I gave your bio, kind of give us some background on you. Take us back to the early days when, when you got out of college and started working and ultimately what led you to where you are right now. Yeah, I grew up in the household where we're taught to go to school, study hard, be a good kid and invest in your 401k and max that out and just work at and grind at a job and work your way up the, the ladder for several decades. I was always, we were always taught to save. Like we, when we went to restaurants, we never bought soft drinks. You know, it was always cost that we were pretty frugal with our money. I was able to save 80 grand in a couple of years working and to buy up a house to live up in Seattle. And that was that program. I call it the linear path. So you just follow it like you're brain dead. You're just good boys and girls just following that path. And that was me like right out of college. I was a construction supervisor out there and 100% travel. And I knew you had to pay your dues, but very early I was like, this sucks. Like this engineering <laughs> job sucks. Yeah. Another fun thing. People like say, oh, it's good to be outside, outdoors and I'm not stuck in office. I'm the opposite. I want you to like, go to the office every day. So you the same thing, go to the gym at the same time. That was kind of more like me, but that's <laughs> how I was in my early 20s. And you were in engineering, it sounds like? That's correct. I got a bachelor's in industrial engineering because I wasn't smart enough to get it in computer science, electrical, chemical, and not smart enough to get it in like mechanical or civil for undergraduate. Yeah. So I went to project management, right? There you go. And you mentioned about you were being taught to save. Hey, look, my parents did the same thing too. We were frugal. It's investing. I drank the Kool-Aid too. Invest in your 401k and save and get a good job and you know, hopefully you retire when you're 65 and you'll have enough money to live for the next 20 or some odd years. What did you do with that? You saved up the 80 grand. So obviously there was some benefits there. You learned those lessons. What did you, you said you bought a house with the 80,000. Did you buy a rental property or did you buy your main residence? Yeah, I bought the main residence first because that's what everybody says to do. Get yeah. on the escalator of wealth building and oh, you're Paying rent is throwing money down the tube, which in my opinion is totally false. Uh, I don't know where people get that from, but I've blindly followed the dogma and bought a house to live in. And here this 20 something year old kid is living there all himself and he's traveling a hundred percent for work. So what does a cheapo do? But I started to rent it out and I just lived off the company dime living in hotels for several years up straight. And I, I tell people it's not what you make what your top line income is it's more what you save now i was making close to six figures but like nothing like how kids are making these days or i know a lot of your guys are making like two three hundred plus thousand a lot of my clients make over five hundred six hundred thousand as doctors um it's all what you net and at that time making a hundred grand i was able to save sometimes 80 Ninety thousand dollars a year just paying taxes, basically. <laughs> so all that money went to buying more and more rentals. After that first one, I got that taste of cash flow. So I was like, "Wow, the the tenants paying down my mortgage. I'm getting the equity appreciation there. I'm getting cash flow, which I can feel like I can finally spend it because it feels like free money. And then I'm getting tax benefits, and then." The appreciation too, which I don't really count on because I don't believe in gambling on appreciation. If 
be more in cash flow. But when you add those four up, you're making like 20, 30% plus annual returns on your money. And I was like, why the heck am I doing this 8 to 10% 401k nonsense? My mission at simplepassivecashflow.com is to help hardworking individuals like you do what I did, which was leave a professional career behind by building an investment portfolio where the passive income exceeded my daily expenses. It frustrates me that there are so many people out there mindlessly investing in the Roth, IRA, 401k, mutual funds, or worse, going through a useless financial planner who is just selling retail and financial products. Here's the problem. There are multiple middlemen taking a cut of your returns, all the while you take all the risk. In our community, we spend a little bit of effort to educate ourselves and build organic relationships with other past investors to source the best off-market opportunities, all while enjoying higher returns and better security because the asset that you purchased is a real hard asset, not some kind of fake stuff like a crypto or altcoin. The trifecta is simple. Number one, syndications to get number two, passive losses to unlock other tax best practices. And thirdly, infinite banking. Join our network for more insider access and educational material at simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. And also sign up for a free strategy call once you're in there. Enter our ecosystem. So if you did come out to Hawaii on our annual investor retreat, you'd be able to develop those relationships with the right people. To check out future events, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash events. And we'll see you in person. Yeah, great insight. So it sounds like you had a pretty significant mindset shift early in your W-2 career. And that really helped you understand that, hey, there's, I can leverage my W-2 job. You're out traveling. You're not really there. So you just said, hey, let's rent this thing. And you got a taste of the passive income. And then you started acquiring some more properties. And we talk about that a little. And before I go any further, I know people have heard this before. We're not talking about wholesaling and flipping houses. To me, that's what you do when you're broke. For many of us with good paying jobs and we're busy, managing our like our day job so we don't get fired doing the stuff <laughs> on the side um you know it needs to be passive so i was buying these what they call turnkey rentals sometimes folks out out there like the flyover states where the numbers work way better one of the things we look for even today when i buy large apartments is like this one percent rent to value ratio so you take the monthly rents divided by the purchase price, and it needs to be 1% or higher for the numbers to work for the cash. Why is cash so important? Well, obviously you get paid every month, and but in case of a recession, you're not out on the cold, right? You can pay your debt service. We we don't really look at like loan to value. We look at debt service coverage ratio for some more sophisticated investors out there. Uh, mm-hmm. Debt service coverage ratio 1.25 or greater. Like going into these types of deals, you know, it's typically not going to be where you live. Most of my clients live in Washington, California, New York. It ain't going to be there. Those are called primary markets. So I was buying in a lot of these secondary and tertiary markets like Birmingham, Atlanta, Indianapolis, Kansas City, Memphis, Little Rock, places like that. Not the funnest places to go and visit, but they have these great rent-to-value ratios that allow you to cash flow. They don't appreciate it as much, but... I don't really care about that. I don't care more about cash flow. So I started to buy all these turnkey rentals and just all my money plowed to just down payments on these things over the next several years. Did you, okay, this is great. This is great stuff. So you're not living in, you're not living where you're investing, which I think is a misnomer for a lot of folks who are working in a job that they want to get out of and maybe create some cash flow. So you did this all virtually, essentially. And Maybe touch a little bit more on what you mean by turnkey 
rental and how active were you in managing these properties that you ended up purchasing in other states? Yeah, this is actually like a product that people will sell turnkey yep. rentals. If you Google it, things will pop up, guys, providers will pop up. And supposedly there's different layers of turnkey. Essentially, the idea is a house flipper out there will go buy a beat up piece of junk and they'll fix it up. They'll, but they'll put it, put like a renter type of standard type of stuff. It won't be like super pretty, but it'll be like really durable and good enough for government work or for class B and C renters for the most part. So they'll fix the roof, the flooring, the appliances, the new paint job. They'll fit all the interior stuff. And um, sometimes these guys will even put a tenant in there for you and manage it for you. I always recommend my folks to get a third-party property manager to get this all in place. So you don't, you buy from somebody else. It's a great way for like new investors to put on the training wheels as a landlord. But this is what I did. I bought from 2012 or 2009 was when I bought my first rental. So 2015 is when I stopped buying these little rental properties. I got up to 11 of them. And I think they're a critical part of wealth building. But if you're already an accredited investor or million dollar net worth or greater, making more than 250 a year, it's little rental properties are a pain in the ass and they're still have some little bit of legal liability and the debts in your personal name. Syndications and private placements might be more of your style. That's where I switched. So from 2015 with 11 rentals, each rental gives me like a couple hundred bucks, a few hundred bucks of cash flow every month. So you add that up. I was positive cash flow, 3,000 bucks, which was a lot of that's when it's real estate, it's tax free. So it was essentially like half my paycheck. I saw the light to financial freedom and yeah. I actually saw this very early on and my, my attitude towards work changed pretty drastically in the first, even the first several years doing this, whereas I don't really need to do this too yeah. much longer. Yeah. So you were planning um, the exit. You were, you saw it, as you said. Yeah. Yeah. My first job was pretty hard. I worked for a very conservative company where quality of life is low, but the pay is a little higher. And maybe that was a, probably a good thing too, yeah. because it looked it, it kind of heated up the boiling water and made me really hate my job and want to get out even more and more motivation to saving to put the down payments and more properties. But that was, let's say, my attitude definitely changed after a while. Like I became apathetic in a way where I don't have to keep doing this. Like I make more than you guys. I mean, it was, it's hard to realize that 95% of people out there, they just are really bad with their money. They can't save it. They spend more than they make. And let's put aside the folks who, who don't go to college. And I think college is really that great anyway, but don't go to college. Don't get a professional career. A lot of those people, it's an income. They just don't make enough money. If you don't make 50, 80 grand in this country with a family, you're not making enough money, quite frankly. Yeah. That's a different problem. I don't know how to fix that. There's so many websites consolidation. I don't know about that, but I was good with my money. So a lot of folks that I think are listening resonate with this, right? You make six figures, but there's this kind of money mindset out there, like Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman, the saver mentality. And what I tell people a lot is that's good for people who, number one, don't make that much money. Or number two, maybe you do make a good salary, but you suck at your personal finance. You can't really keep a budget. And I would still argue that most people are like this. The people who cross over, like, like people like myself, right? We save up 
boatload of our into 401k, even though we shouldn't be doing that. And we were on this fast pass to financial independence. You need to get rid of the Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman, save, save, save. And you got to get into being buy assets with good debt and leverage your debt. And in a way, be on the offense. And people don't realize that there's these two paradigms. And the two, some people call it the rich dad, poor dad mentality to operating system. I call it the simple passive cashflow.com mentality. It actually tell you guys what to do. Buying little rental properties to your network is half a million, million. Then go into syndications and private placements after that. Um, but that, that, that's what I followed. I followed this journey. Once I got to the accredited status, I started to go into syndications and private placements. And I started to dump the little annoying rental properties. But the annoying rental properties to me was a way how I learned. And it helped me really do due diligence on the larger deals as a passive investor. And yeah. Yeah. Great share. Can you talk about, and I love the simple passive cashflow.com. That's your, that's where you teach people how to do this and basically follow this path that you've developed, which we're going to get to. There's still a lot more here. Maybe talk about one of your first syndication deals because you did make the leap from single family to, to, to syndications, to multis. Yeah, I already had that mindset of these rental properties are a pain in the butt. It's not scalable. Yeah. For, if, like I said, I had 11 rentals and maybe a few, hundred, few thousand dollars in passive cash flow every month. And it was a bit of a headache because with 11 rentals, just to give some people some insights, I had maybe an eviction or two every year, which are a little annoying. Of course, I have a property manager on all these properties. I'm not some idiot who runs this stuff myself remotely. There's somebody else that takes 10% of the rents that does all my dirty work for me. Yep. Yeah, to deal with these evictions and these. Every quarter, you're going to have some big kind of catastrophe if you have a love of rentals. If you have 10 sons, one of them is going to go to jail every decade. Like that's just the odds. I've never heard that before, but yeah, I guess that makes sense. I don't have sons, but I just <laughs> see it on TV and I just see it out yeah. there. See if police car, some kid's going to go to jail, typically a dude. But yeah, I, you see where this is going. And totally. I'm like, th- then I started to join. This is where the big thing, aha moment for me was I started to interact with other high net worth accredited investors. And these aren't super rich people, but they have a million dollar net worth or greater. And a lot of them were you know, of my pedigree. I was an engineer. There are a lot of engineers. There's a heck of a lot of engineers as investors, doctors, lawyers, dentists, accountants, pharmacists, a lot of professionals also working their day jobs because it's a great way to build up that cash to buy more rentals or go into more deals. But they're all, their main thing was that they were, you know, dumping their rentals and going into these larger syndications. And I just saw the writing on the wall. And when you meet people who do what you do, and they say, I used to do what you do, but now I do this. That's probably one of the best arguments for me that I at least start to look into these large syndicated projects. But when I first started, saw the stuff, I thought they were like Ponzi schemes. And, but then I started to get to know the people, build relationships. And that's what this world is. It's a people game, building relationships, with the right operators and building colleagues and peers of other passive investors to know who's legit in this business. The trouble is everybody's got podcasts these days. Everybody's got books. So it's really hard to determine who's legit in this fake it to your make it type of world that the general partners live in, which is why I tell everybody and how like my whole method is like building relationships with other passive investors. Why we have a community for this and you just basically copy what other passive investors do that have gotten good returns from people 
haven't gotten their money. And this is the essence, like this is the country club deals. This is the virtual country club in a way. And this is the way that a lot of investors invest. And we could get into it later, but it really opens up the taxes because now when you're going to these deals, a lot of these deals do cost segregations, which if some people are rental property owners, you can deduct one twenty seventh of the value of the home every year and take that as a paper loss. But with this stuff, you could deduct one third of the property all in the first year. Yeah. Like it could be like a 10 or 20 X that deduction. And now you can implement certain strategies. The typical one for my clients are like, you, know, you have a couple, one higher paid person and maybe a, another lower paid one that we want to have them to stay at home and play with the kids and enjoy life. And now that person can implement real estate professional status, rep status, which is a checkbook on checkbox on your taxes. There's a few loopholes to jump through, but once you do that, now you can use the passive losses to not only offset all the passive income, that's a gimme, but use it to offset the ordinary income, which I know a lot of you guys have high W-2 or 1099 salaries. And you can basically, you can pay whatever taxes you want at that point. Correct. And as you alluded to earlier, it's not what you earn, it's what you get to keep. This is a a tremendous way to reduce your tax liability and even to to zero in some cases, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't pay taxes legally. I have million plus bucks of passive activity losses to use at my disposal. There's a strategy to it. And unfortunately, a lot of CPAs, tax folks don't really understand this stuff. That's why like a lot of this stuff is if there's one big piece of financial advice, never take financial advice from people who are not financially free themselves. Like, why would you want to take financial advice from a CPA? The dude has a job, a job. He works for a paycheck. He hasn't figured this stuff out. Yeah. Show me um, your income statement. Show me your net worth. Yeah. I, I don't income. It's all what you keep and what you accumulate at the end of the day. There's a lot of people with high incomes, but aren't the most sophisticated investors or money managers. And it's all net worth to me is what your age is. So when did you, great stuff. It's you're now in these multi-unit deals and you're buying a lot of commercial assets, if you will. And you're up to several thousand units now, but when did you start to really think about, okay, I'm exiting my W-2? (laughs) Yeah, I did this. So switching back to the W-2 world, I did change jobs a few times, actually. I started to work for the government. And actually, the job became pretty... I actually enjoyed it at that because I enjoyed the co-workers. I liked the management. I didn't like what I did one bit. But I mean, to me, there's like a triangle of who do you work for? Who do you work with? Or your subordinates? And then do you like the work that you're in? I think if you have two out of three of those, you can be pretty damn happy. You can't have one or not. I guess what you're trying to find is something that's all three, which I mean, good luck. <laughs> but some of my doctor clients have it because they, if they happen to be, have a good boss, that's the hardest one. And they work with people and they, they often work with people on their worst day and that can be very enriching. And then they obviously, they may like their coworkers to have a great team environment. And that's the perfect environment where you can make a boatload of money doing that. Most of them work two to three days a week is what they typically do once they find this stuff. But for me, it was like just downgrading to like more quality of life, less work responsibilities. But after a while, I went into some bad deals with people as a passive investor. And then I 
Then I realized that I needed to control the capital stack myself. And that's why I started to do deals myself. And then my investors would come in. And that was, it, I felt a little irresponsible, like bringing in my constituents that here I am working this W2 full-time job on the side. A little irresponsible. So I eventually cut the cord on that. But if I wasn't like a general partner deal operator, I probably, that would have been a great, like, I could have probably been still doing it today. Like I enjoyed the work somewhat. It was cruise. I got to do my investing, passive investing thing on the site, which isn't that hard. Yeah. And to be a passive investor, maybe it takes five hours a month to do. Yeah. That's really and, all it takes. Yeah. Great. Yeah. But that, yeah, that's what I, I could have just stayed in that job and just kicked back and cruise. But I think I quit around like 2018, I think. Um, All right, so you've been there for about um, a little over 10 years in W2. Yeah, but the W2 really helped me propel our company and build our organization. That I, And I think for my kids, I'm not a huge fan of college and higher education, but I do think that it gets you in a position to compete and get into a Fortune 500 company. Hmm. And I'm not a huge fan of Fortune 500 companies because of bureaucracy and everything, but it helps put you into a system. And you can be on the inside and be a spy and you can learn how their systems are. And a lot of those systems I implement today, minus all the BS, essentially. Yeah. It goes without saying, congrats on the, on the exit there. But talk about your company now. You've got this big real estate company. You've got over a billion you know, assets under management, over 8,000 units. Talk about what, talk about your business and maybe a little bit about what like a typical day looks like for you. What are you doing? Yeah, today it's changed a lot. In the beginning, we were running around um, doing everything, managing the manager, working with investors. When we went over, I would say, $500 million of assets under management, it became unscalable to do it like that for ourselves. And that was a period where we had to reinvest a lot of our initial profits into other staff with who did our job a lot better than us. So some of the key hires, other than investor relations staff and marketing staff, but the key hires are like hiring other property managers, but the property managers who did were in the industry for a decade plus, and they have this insights. It's going to just, if you came and play doctor or computer scientist or computer engineer for a day. You just can't do it. Like even if you studied up for six months to a couple of years, you just can't do it. And here I am, I guess I'm a semi-smart dude, right? But I don't know like the little nuances that somebody who was worked at a thirty, forty thousand dollar leasing agent job and stepped up to a property manager, then yeah. maybe started their own property management company. Those are some valuable insights that kind of we have as our operations staff now that we've engulfed. So we've our role has changed from doing everything to just creating the org structure. And that that was not one of my fortes. So we have some C level staff that help us do that too. But these days, it's more like guiding the direction and business development, because that was essentially what got us started was the key relationships and continuing to build key relationships in the future, like with banks and with pref equity partners and stuff like that. What is the... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I think still like I have a life coach and he tells me you need to figure out what you really enjoy out of all these random things you're doing. And for me, it's interacting with investors 
giving them that all home and mm-hmm. you've been doing it all wrong with 401k is a bunch of retail investments that just go out to the clueless and you need to get into like deals where you people and where it's does well in recessions and then you, you implement that then you get the cost segregations and the depreciation and losses to do different games on your taxes and then you do a little bit infinite banking which is like cash value life insurance at a 90 10 split with 20 10 percent being insurance and those are one two three combos like it's a powerful thing that is very counterintuitive to how normal people do finances or people still in that dave ramsey school of thought it's a game changer and it allows people who've been working so hard i'd say our average client 1.5 million dollars net worth in their early 40s with two kids you change one thing around now one spouse doesn't have to work and now they're they see the light instead of another 20 30 years of working it's really five years ahead of them it's totally transformational within these individual families and putting on the events and then meeting other people who have taking the red pill of finance. Um, that's what I enjoy. Awesome. And you, you, so you're putting on some events too. Talk a little bit more about, about that. It sounds like you have events for your clients. Yeah, we're a kooky bunch, right? Like we are, our deep down core is like we're savers. We delay gratify and we get off on that. People come to what we do in Hawaii, like people come to Hawaii, they, nobody stays at the high end stuff. That's not yeah. good use of, that's not good value. They stay in like kind of the more boutique three-star, four-star hotels. A lot of these guys are very affluent, especially once they start to invest. And um, it's lonely, right? All our friends and family are investing in like the 401k or some of the, the more aggressive ones are doing crypto and Bitcoin or worse altcoins. And it's just, here we are investing in very stable, boring assets. Like I almost call it like investing in blue overalls and jeans and hard work. We buy 1960s and 1990 properties that caters towards the lower middle class, a grungier demographic. It's not sexy. We slowly, and it takes a while, right? This is not a get rich quick scheme. We go in and we rehab units slowly as tenants move out. It takes forever. It takes several years. But in recessions, it performs pretty well. And in good times, it outperforms all of the good stuff. And it's like this idea of doing this with so many people is crazy too, that like when people assemble, I'm going out to like LA next week and Arizona and just to do a little pop-up meeting. But when people assemble and they're like, yeah, I don't do the 401k because like all the reasons Lane said, it totally makes sense. But like none of my coworkers, I can't, they start to become very distanced from most of their coworkers because none of that stuff, when they actually use their head and get away from the financial dogma put on by all the vanguards, fidelities, all these institutions that want you to put your money in that stuff. Yeah. They're like, it makes no sense. But I still, people are still like, they're stuck in that spell. But when I come here, I can have great conversations and we disclose what our net worth is, what we're investing in. And these, we can talk about these alternative investing ideas, talk about deals. You know, it's just, it's like a cult, if you ask, right? <laughs> you're around like-minded people and you're, you're all, it's always good to be in, in a different room, especially when you don't like the one that you're in. 
Yeah, I love what you talk when you I love what you say about 401ks and I saw the light on that too. I always knew it, but I just kept feeding it in cuz it became like automatic. Caution anyone to be very leery of putting your money into into a program, whatever what for lack of a better phrase where they control how much you can put in, they control what you can invest in, and then they tell you when you can take it out they and then they tell you when you have to take it out so it's just very limiting and it's all completely one-sided and i saw the light on that i'm sure you have plenty of thoughts on the topic but got completely out of that I yeah go over it pretty concisely in a couple of minutes I have four big issues with the 401k yeah please share um, type of stuff like first like it's a lot of it has to do with taxes when i put my money a lot of the whole dogmas is predicated on you will be you'll get older and you'll shrivel up and die and make less money in the future and at that point you'll be in a lower tax bracket but not me not most of my investors they're going to be baller in the future and be in a, in a much higher tax bracket than they are today yep therefore you should pay your taxes on the damn thing today take it out today while you're in a lower tax bracket number two look where this country is going how are you going to pay for all these government entitlement programs with raised taxes in the future so again pay your taxes now get it out now the next biggest thing is i think the argument for these 401ks is that, oh it grows tax-free when you invest in real estate that has a bunch of paper losses like depreciation you can write all a bunch of other stuff off it often is tax-free anyway so that point is negated but here's the big kicker i think we briefly touched upon this like how most people are playing checkers putting money in their 401k or Roth IRAs or whatever. And we play chess, right? We're manipulating our adjusted gross income on our personal tax return based on what our investments are. And when you play this chess game instead of checkers, I want the depreciation and losses that come from my investments. Where when you're investing, you can invest through a self-directed IRA too. But when you're investing through one of these type of programs or a solo 401k, it's you don't get the passive losses to flow on your personal tax side. It stays locked up in there. And yeah. that's the downside to that. It's more about using the losses on the deals and the investment properties from depreciation, which is just paper loss, to clean up your pay less taxes today. And you lose that ability when you invest in this insulated 401k or solo 401k. So unless the only good thing it's for is you're investing in non-tax advantage type of stuff. Well, it's non-tax advantage stuff, like like your crypto, things like that. Or if you're a private money lender in, 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 a, in a real estate, I wouldn't do that anyway, where you just lend money to a house flipper and there's no losses. You're getting paid with a 1099. There's no tax advantage with that. That's the stuff you're supposed to do it in those type of stuff. But I don't do anything that's not tax advantage, mm. really. So Love it. Great share. Great insight and uh, something more we can learn at simplepassivecashflow.com. I'm definitely assuming that. And then you have a podcast as as well. Talk a little bit about your show. Yeah, it's basically follow my journey. I started back in 2016 when I was buying little rental properties. And I would just teach people how to buy turnkey rentals. And back then we had a little incubator group and now a lot of the information is for free. You know, if you're just in the game of buying a little turnkey rental, you can go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash turnkey and get the free guide there. But as I became over an accredited investor, and like I said, at that time, I was going into a lot of larger syndication deals. I saw the light. And for accredited, it's just 
it's a no-brainer to go into these syndicated deals if you can build relationships and build a community around your or join a community out there. And that was where it transitioned. And it's that's my whole thing is, hey, I know that there's something else out there. And that's my job is to cut the corners for a lot of folks, right? If your net worth is a million bucks, you shouldn't stick around with little rental properties. Just go to the big stuff, the syndicated deals. But for a lot of my investors that are, are like one to $10 million net worth, what's after? What do you do after when you've got five, $10 million plus and you can comfortably live off your four or 5% off of that? What are like the 50 million, $100 million families, the family offices doing, right? Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that I try and learn these days. And I try and bring it down to my folks. And just that insight, because you want to just always be improving as a investor and become a professional investor. The trouble is, right, most people are working their day jobs, so they don't really have the time to end. But the, and the issue is interacting with the right higher level people, higher level investors, getting access to those rooms, which a lot of people don't have the time for, nor the network. But that's been my path to uncovering this myself. But even to implement the strategies for one to $10 million net worth people, I mean, you look at it and it's not that hard. Like I said, invest in good deals, use the passive losses on your taxes, tell your CPA what to do or find a new one yeah. in infinite banking. And it's pretty simple, but it's very counterintuitive to what like they normally tell us right to do. Extremely great chair, great journey. Love your story. Just before we wrap up, I got a couple of couple of questions for you I wanted to ask. One, do you, whether it's a morning routine or some habits that you've adopted that you could share with the listeners that have really led to your to success or keep you on the path? If you Yeah, I think one thing I do well is I execute. I'm the person who will write down my list of things to do, but I actually do it. And I think that allows you to constantly innovate and constantly improve. I don't know what the, if you improve 1% every day at the end of the year, you'll be like 20 something times better than what you, I'm not a huge fan of like morning routines. I don't wake up and do yoga. I jump on the emails and put out the fires just like anybody else. I don't wake up super early. Today was a little early for me. I try to wake up around eight nice. <laughs> if I can. Yeah. And I think like my whole advice from that is, Hey, do it. What works for you guys? Not everybody is the same, but make sure it works for you. And I would say I'm really good at focusing on what the business is. And for a lot of folks listening, it's like your own personal finances. What are you going to do with the investments and taxes? Not what you're doing with your employer. You're building somebody else's dream with that. Yeah. Build yours first. Even if it, you're like me and you know, you're working a day job, you're sleepwalking through it for a decade. You know, that's... To me, that's the most important thing is get your own stuff. It doesn't take that much time to learn to do what's right and to implement it, especially once you, what you should be doing. You can sleep, sleepwalk through a job. They take, they pay for your time and your head, but they don't charge you for your heart. So you, you always have those section, those few extra hours a day to put to where you are doing. After you play with the kids and you do your family obligations and yeah. you're tired, of course. But too many people, they spend so much time like over the news or like focusing on like things that don't matter. What's the scene? Most people major in the minor things. Tony Robbins yeah. quote. 
Yeah, yeah. Great stuff. Get your own stuff. Awesome share. Do you believe in, do you have a coach or a mentor? Do you believe in that? Not really. I think when you're starting out, I think a coach would be good. That's the role I play for some folks, my inner circle and mastermind group. And But you got to pay them, right? If anybody's worth it, you got to pay them. And the trouble is there's a lot of fake gurus out there that don't really do nothing. They just write books and stuff like that. And have YouTube channel. That's why a lot of stuff on my website are free. I hate that figure stuff, the guys that teach people. And they mostly prey on, not your audience, they mostly pay on, prey on the guys who don't have money and are really desperate and they sell them on hope and fear. But yeah, yeah, I would say you need to find a model that's doing this. But if you're starting out, there's a lot of YouTube and podcasts to just start to absorb it. And I would say focus on getting a community than worshiping the gods and the gurus. Find other peers on this journey. And that's going to be the way to get you off the ground. Of course, I'm super cheap and that's how I used to do it initially. But then I saw the light in 2015 when I really started to pay like five figure plus a year on these mastermind groups and education. And that got me connected with the right community. Then there's the freebie freeloader, tire kicker crowd of peer group. Yeah. So that was a big thing in hindsight. If somebody's starting out, so much free stuff out there, you should be able to dissect, but just know you're trading time for money in a way. But I'm always for just get rolling down the road before you interject any kind of type of like money into it. Like once, once you've got some, you might have a rental property or in several deals, then I would say it makes sense to pony up once you got proof of concept and this whole thing works and then accelerate it with a better community and network after that that are actually serious yeah thanks lane we're gonna we're gonna give the website again simplepassivecashflow.com simplepassivecashflow.com it's been tremendous having you i just i love the inside i love the way you think you obviously think a lot differently now than you did when you first started out so that's the you can see the growth there really appreciate the share anything else you want to share with the listeners before we uh, before we sign off or that that i forgot to no i think some people are saying they eventually you're going to quit the day job. I think that's probably the mindset of a lot of folks. But speaking from myself and a lot of my folks who are like two to $5 million net worth who broke through that part of the stratosphere, everybody, you got to do something with your time and you got to try and figure out what makes you happy. But I do think you have to go through a period, like a little air pocket where you don't do jack for like maybe six months to several years where you just go weightless. And this concept of financial freedom to me is kind of like you you need to save enough money to buy enough assets to create enough passive income where it exceeds your expenses. So 10, 20 grand per month. And then you quit your job um, and then you go weightless and you're going to go through this vacuum and air bubble where you're just floating. But until you're floating and searching for your next main life mission. It's hard to do that, to search when you're stuck trading time for money. So I think that's what I'm kind of uncovering with myself and some of my clients is you have to go to that stage of you got to get your own oxygen mask on first. You got to get the FI and then the next chapter of your life will come. But it's a lonely world, right? Not many people get to ponder these type of first world or uh, first world problems, but like upper 1% first world problems where you're searching for autonomy and trying to find some kind of meaning of what the heck you're here when your money continues to compound on on itself where it compounds at a rate where it's 
quicker than you could spend at a reasonable rate, of course. But like, you know, not many people are faced with that. Most people are stuck in a day job just going and trading time for money. Yeah. Don't have to do that. Great final thought. Appreciate the share and you spending some time with us today. I know it's valuable. Everyone, thanks for tuning in as always. Make it a great day.